live from Liverpool, the Dark Paranormal, Season 5. Hello everyone, and welcome back to The Dark Paranormal, Season 5. With Episode 6 today, we're already in the second half of this season, and I'd like to thank everyone who's reached out with comments, feedback, and of course stories for this season so far. Today, we have a truly terrifying, true paranormal experience, sent in by one of our listeners. We hear about a spirit who is apparently in the depths of despair, and also, once again, ask the all-important paranormal question. Just what does stay behind when a tragedy takes place? In addition, this is one of the first stories that when I read through once I received it, I genuinely had a nightmare the following night. So visual is the description given by the storyteller. But before we all settle down to listen to today's true paranormal experience, I of course have to thank our Patreons. We've built a wonderful community of like-minded paranormal believers over there, and we'd like to invite you to join. In joining us, not only do you receive these episodes before anyone else, you also receive a Patreon-only show, Dark Bites, each and every week, even in the downtime between seasons. So, if you're a true fan of the paranormal, why not treat yourself to a little extra content? Head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. Just like these wonderful listeners have done. Francesco Lara, Barry Mikko Kanar, Nicoletta Kanakis, Alex Bullen, Lee Holt, Alex Talley, Andrea Weiss, Ethan D, Robert Uthoff, Jacob Howe, Destiny Lian, Alicia Barr, Samuel Kirias, Samantha Johnson, Tegan Goss, Eric Perez, Brittany Van Winkle, Melissa Lambert, Caitlin Waller, Andrew Gorringe, Christina Gantos, and Matthew Turner. Thank you so much, guys. I sincerely look forward to speaking to you each and every week on Dark Bites. Don't forget, if you'd like to join us, go over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. But now, we're going to find out that sometimes even having the strongest faith may not be enough to keep the darkness away. So lower the lights, make yourself comfortable, and of course, leave your disbelief at the door as we hear all about an unholy haunting. My paranormal experience, touch wood, has only recently ended. Within the last two years, So I'm writing to you as a way to finalise things, to put a final nail in the coffin, to use a very apt analogy. The company and the personal names of the people involved, I'll change to protect their privacy. My name is Leah, and I live just north of central Manchester, and I have done all my life. For those of you unfamiliar with the climate here, It's renowned to be rather bleak and rainy. And sure, we do get the occasional heatwave in the heights of summer, but we quickly fall back into the grey, bleak and cold weather you would associate with a northern town that seems stuck in the Industrial Revolution. 
The area is a jarring mix of the old world and the new. Old, beautiful ironmonger buildings, ripped out and refitted to be sunbed shops. A 24-hour Asda supermarket positioned opposite an old newsagent. The sort who still advertises the fact he can photocopy something for you for five pence a sheet. How many takers he gets for that service in today's world, I wouldn't like to know. Where there were once bakers, butchers, chandlers, there are now vape shops, betting stores, mobile phone accessory outlets, all housed in these beautiful 150-year-old buildings. The point I'm making is we seem to have a habit of filling beautiful old spaces, each with their own individuality and soul, with plastic, copy-and-paste services that rinse and repeat in every high street across the area. This is especially true in relation to the renovation of old buildings into more and more apartment blocks that are seemingly under endless construction across the city. But this is exactly where, and how, my experience took place. I'm one of four kids, and I'm the only girl. My mother died when I was 14, and my father brought me and my three brothers up by himself. He had the occasional girlfriend, but you could always tell his heart wasn't truly in it, and his relationships lasted rarely longer than a few months. Being the only female in a family of five, especially at such a formative age, can shape who you are pretty fast. At least, certainly in my case and I found myself quickly feeling more at ease around men than women. I understood them more, conversed with them more easily. I felt I could be myself around them. They say men are simple creatures, but that's almost demeaning to men. I've found men are more open, specifically with the important stuff. By that I mean, from my experience anyway they seem to have much less of an agenda than my female friends. For example, if I meet a male friend for a drink, it's generally because they want to have a drink. If one of my girlfriends asks for a drink, I know I'm probably going to be faced with some form of situation or problem that I'll need to court an opinion on and be on eggshells throughout so as not to exacerbate the situation. I explain all this to say that I've therefore always worked in roles which are renowned for a heavy male workforce, chiefly in construction and normally in some sort of administerial role. And it was whilst I was working in a sales role for a local contractor that I was given a new task, to manage the sales office for a new build apartment block. But this was an apartment block with a difference. The eight state-of-the-art apartments that were to be built were to be built in the shell of an old Catholic church from the 1800s. The sales office I would work in was to be set up in the former priest's house, a small one-bedroom building that sat behind the church and was equally as old. The contractor made sure that the sales office was fully kitted out before I and my colleague, a teenage apprentice called Neil, started work, and, in truth, they'd done a pretty good job of modernising the downstairs space, 
giving it the clean feel you wanted to portray to any potential investors or buyers. As is standard with this type of setup, the sales office opened as the work was midway through. There's a keen sense of urgency to have the plot snapped up before the final brick is laid, such is the speed of operations like this. And therefore, we were supplied with artist renderings of the final eight apartments, and already had a list of interested people who were keen to come and chat. I scheduled my first appointment with a Dr. Stevens for 10.30 on day one. He was an investor who was looking to buy to let, so I was surprised when the buzzer went half an hour earlier as I was making a cup of coffee in the kitchen. He's keen, I thought to myself. Brushing myself down and practising my best how-do-you-do smile, I walked to the door and opened it. I was greeted by an elderly woman of at least 80, with a scowl seemingly stamped on her face. Um, Dr. Stevens? I hesitantly asked. I want to speak to whoever's in charge, the lady said in a stern tone. A bit taken aback, I invited her in and offered her a seat. No, thank you, she replied sharply. I want to speak to the man in charge. Well, that wasn't going to happen, obviously. So I replied, Well, I'm in charge of the sales for the site, so can I help? She seemed to accept my position in the hierarchy and therefore pointed her finger at my face. You should be ashamed of yourself. I'm sorry, I replied. It's a church. It's our church. This area's church. And your lot are just going in and ripping it to pieces without a thought or a care of anyone in the community round here, she snapped. Well, can, can I ask your name? I thought it best to try and at least broach a civil conversation with her. But why do you need me name? You're not having my name. I won't tell you me name. That's my right. Great. Just great. This is just what you need on day one, I thought. Okay, well, firstly, I began, the church has been empty for nearly a decade. Secondly, the archdiocese deconsecrated the building and sold us the land. So in the eyes of the church, that building's now no more holy than the newsagents over the road. As the words left my lips, I knew. Even though it was all fact, I should have phrased it better. The woman's eyes widened as she energetically made the sign of the cross, before snarling, It's kids like you why that church died a death. No wonder father went as he did. She made another sign of the cross. There's no hope with the likes of you lot. May God forgive me, but I hope it all falls down with you lot inside. The fury of her words were emphasised by the little bits of spittle flying out of her mouth. Before I could even reply, she turned on her heels and stormed out. Neil was gobsmacked when I turned round. What was that all about? he said. I smiled and shrugged, but my nerves were wrecked at the argument, so I went upstairs to the bathroom to compose myself. The contractors had made sure we had all the essentials. A nice office, a good kitchen and a nice bathroom. All refitted all up to pristine standard. So I rinsed my face with cold water and listened to the sound of the workmen coming through the open bathroom window. But then, another sound. Like, like a man, sobbing. 
I couldn't quite make it out, so I quietly reached over and shut the bathroom window. I opened the bathroom door and could tell the sobbing was coming from behind the closed door at the end of the short hall. As far as I was aware, this room was just for storage for more brooches, papers, some high-vis jackets and helmets. But as I approached, it became evident someone was crying in there too. And then I felt a chill run through my body. As when I looked down at the handle, I realised it was padlocked shut. This was standard to help both stop any overnight theft, but also ensure any would-be purchasers didn't accidentally walk into some scruffy room. But somebody was crying on the other side of this locked door. I was spooked right away. But then the thought crossed my mind, what if it was a young labourer who'd had a prank played on him? It certainly wouldn't be the first time a group of brickies had gone too far. So I gently knocked. Hello? Are you okay? The sobbing stopped. I had a terrifying feeling that I'd disturbed something that I shouldn't have. I put my ear to the door and listened. Leah? I jumped out of my skin and spun round. Sorry, said Neil from the stairway. I did shout you, but you didn't answer. Do you want the key for that room? Still recovering from the fright, I slowly nodded. Yes, please, I said. Neil handed me the key and I unlocked the door. We slowly walked inside, but no one was here. To the left, there was all of our stuff that we needed access to. And to the right, well, it was more sparse. A small wooden crucifix nailed to the wall. Neil tapped my shoulder. Look at that he said, pointing to the wooden floor underneath the crucifix. In the dust, there were two clear circles, and behind them, two almost diamond-shaped clearings. What's that? I asked. Well, replied Neil, don't you think that looks like someone's been kneeling in front of that wall? It did. It looked exactly like that. Not only that, but walking over for a closer look, in front of what had been the knee positions, was what appeared to be drops of water in the dust. Or tears. We both jumped at the sound of the buzzer going off. I quickly checked my watch. 10.30, of course, Dr. Stevens. I totally forgot about the appointment. Go and let him in and I'll be down in a minute. Over the next few days, both myself and Neil kept making jokes to each other whenever one of us needed to go to the bathroom. Look out for the priest, we'd say as the other left the room. But in truth, nothing out of the ordinary happened in that sales office for the remainder of the contract. Except for one thing. And the same can definitely not be said for the church. Let's have a quick break to talk to you about Policy Genius. Now, we all like to put off life insurance talk because it reminds us of our mortality. But life insurance isn't about death, it's about life. It's about ensuring the lives of those you love remain secure and comfortable. 
And I'm sure many of you will think, well, I'm covered through work or I'm covered through my bank accounts. But believe me, you want to check those finer details because you may be surprised what you're actually covered for. And this is exactly where Policy Genius come into their own. Yes, we could talk about how Policy Genius is America's leading online insurance marketplace or how their award-winning agents will walk you step-by-step step through the entire process. But the best thing about Policy Genius for me is they don't have a dog in the fight. They're not going to strong arm you towards one company or another. They've no incentive to do so. Their only incentive is to listen to your needs, scour America's top companies, and find you the best price. For example, with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that begin at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options even offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. There's a reason why Policy Genius has thousands of five star reviews on Google and Trustpilot, and you'll find out what it is when you tick life insurance off your to do list with Policy Genius. So head over to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. One afternoon, Mickey, the site foreman, came into the office in between appointments to make a cup of tea. Now, the laborers have their own kitchen set up, so this was a bit unusual. Don't mind if I have me break in here, do you? I can't listen to any more nonsense over there, he said. Sure, I said. Why, what's going on? He sighed and sat down, taking a big sip of his tea. Ghosts, he said in a jokey tone, wiggling his fingers. Really? said Neil. Yeah, well, no, because it's all nonsense. But yeah. A couple of the lads reckoned they saw something in apartment six last night as they packed up. A tall man stood in the corner of the room. And now they're all at it. The electricians are saying that they'd seen the same thing in number four but didn't want to say anything. And now the young apprentice we've got with us reckons he was pushed into a bathroom and had the door pulled shut on him. They're all coming out with bollocks now, so I just needed a minute without all that crap. I just pulled a face. I didn't want to tell him about the sobbing sound that I heard from. We heard crying coming from the front bedroom upstairs, piped up Neil. Christ, not you as well, Mickey said, dropping his sandwich back into the lunchbox. I shot Neil a look. Well, we heard something, Neil. Could have been anything. Neil looked at me confused, but getting the message didn't take it any further. A natural silence fell upon us as we all went back to our lunch. Neil scrolling through his phone, me firing off the odd email, and Mickey reading his newspaper. Then Mickey, still looking at the paper and munching on his sandwich, said, Mind you, with what happened to the last priest, I'm not surprised everyone's making stuff up. Neil looked at me as if for permission to speak, and then said, Why? What happened to him? Mickey folded up his newspaper and placed it to the side. He went mad, apparently. Threw himself under a train. 
Well, the diocese said he fell, but a mate of mine was on the platform at the same time. Said he just walked right out. Mickey slapped his hands together to mimic the train hitting the poor priest. A chill went down my back at the memory of the crying sounds I'd heard in that front room. God, I muttered. What a way to go. Yeah, horrible, isn't it? Said Mickey, standing up and wiping himself down. I'll just nip the loo before I go. Do you reckon it was the priest we heard? Whispered Neil as Mickey went upstairs. I just shrugged, but yes, yes I did. I heard the toilet flush upstairs and the bathroom door unlock as Mickey made his way out. Then I heard Mickey say, Sorry mate, and come down the stairs. He entered the office space. Sorry, I didn't realise you had a buyer in, he said, picking up his tea. I'll just finish this and I'll be on my way. What do you mean? I asked. We don't have anyone in for another hour. Mickey smiled at me. Fuck off, love, he said. Are you trying to wind me up? Are you trying to wind me up? I replied. I could feel my heart pounding in my chest. Still smiling, Mickey said. Well, either way, there's a fella in a trench coat just been waiting to use the toilet. Seriously, said Neil in a panicked voice. Mickey's smile dropped a touch but then came back in full force. He put the cup down and wagged his finger. Very funny, you two, very funny. Mickey, I began, but he was already walking through the door. Neil stared at me. Do you think he was messing with us? No, no I didn't. I knew Mickey and this wasn't him. But I found myself saying, Yeah, of course, just ignore him. Neil walked to the bottom of the stairs where you could get a clear view of the bathroom. Neil just smiled. Yeah, there's no one up there, he's just winding us up. A few weeks later, and the building was completed. Seven of the eight apartments were sold, with only apartment six still on the market. It was decided we would keep the sales office open with just myself staying on for the following month, or until number six had been sold, whichever was sooner. Of course, this meant I had to familiarise myself with the apartment, which in truth was a stunning space. If I could have afforded it, I would have been in here like a shot, but this was way out of my price range. We par-furnished it to give an indication to prospective buyers of how their living space would look, and following Mickey's sighting in the office, I decided to take my laptop over there and turn that into my mini-office especially now I was on my own. In the back of my mind, I kept thinking that apartment 6 was the room the lads had apparently seen a tall figure in the corner. But with how the light streamed in and how bright the space seemed, it felt a much more secure workplace than the old priest's house. At least, it did at first. But that all changed on the first viewing. A mid-twenties professional couple arranged to see the apartment, and they were exceptionally keen at first. On showing them the living room, however, their demeanour seemed to change somewhat. Their questions, which were initially fast and free-flowing, dropped off to simple mmms and ahs, and the keen glow dimmed almost instantly. It was the strangest turnaround in attitude 
that I'd experienced in all the viewings I'd done elsewhere. So much so, it played on my mind the whole of the next day. So I thought it best to just be blunt, and email them to say they appeared keen at first, and was there anything we could change that would make the place more appealing, as I noticed something seemed to put them off. Their reply almost made me faint as I sat reading it in the living room of apartment 6. It read, Hello Leah, firstly thank you for showing us around the apartment. We were really keen to give it a look as we're looking to move to that specific area and the spec was perfect. However, and this is no slight on you, we didn't find it very professional and in all honesty it was quite off-putting to have that man being in the living room as we looked around. I'm unsure if he's with the management company or another prospective buyer, but we found him both intimidating and, in all honesty, rather threatening. I appreciate it may have been just a simple calendar clash, but it soured the idea of moving into the space for us. It was already a stretch financially for us, and combined with the vibe from the viewing, we're going to pass. I stared at my screen, frozen with fear. There was no one in the living room other than me and that couple at that time of the viewing. All of a sudden, the room went from feeling bright and safe and spacious to dark, volatile and claustrophobic. It was just my senses going haywire after reading that email, I told myself. I took a deep and calming breath The sound of the shower turning on in the bathroom made me jump out of my seat and I dropped my laptop to the floor. What the hell? I was alone. I crept out into the hall. To my left was the front door and to my right the bathroom with the shower on full force. I stood still for what felt like an eternity. Every part of me wanted to leave, but the rational part of me said it was a new build. It would probably be something really straightforward and plus I had a viewing booked for 20 minutes' time. I wanted this place sold so I could get out of here early, and I'm sure running screaming past any potential new tenants wouldn't help that happen any quicker. So, thinking on my feet, I decided to first open the front door, jam it open with a chair, and then investigate the bathroom. Therefore, if I needed to make a run for it, I could. Entering the bathroom area... There was no obvious cause for the shower to have came on. I opened the shower door and reached my hand inside, turning the knob to the left to turn it off. Okay, this was fine. It was probably just a pressure issue, or maybe... The front door. Okay, okay, the chair must have gave way, that's all. Flustered, I ran to the front door and opened it. The chair was out in the hallway. Here's the thing, though. These chairs were heavy, and the door didn't have that much recoil pressure to shut itself and push the chair out of the way. After I brought the chair back in, I opened the door and let it close naturally. Hardly any pushing force at all. No, something with strength had pushed this door closed. I let it close naturally one more time just to make sure. I fell back against the wall and then immediately leant forward to open the door. It was my next appointment. 
clearly a little taken aback by this wild-eyed, out-of-breath woman trying to force a smile. I shone the man around the apartment, taking extra care to observe his reaction in the living room. Thankfully, all seemed fine. He was an investor and looking to rent the place out after purchasing. I found myself calming down as I fell back into the usual sales patter and forced myself to view the whole experience as rational. The man seemed really keen, that this was an investor's dream, and then he asked if the last guy was an investor or a buyer. I went to answer, but caught myself. The last guy, I said. Yes, sorry, I, I mean the man who just left before you let me in. He smiled, seeing my confusion. You opened the door to let him out. Tall guy, trench coat, serious looking. My heart was in my throat. Uh, oh, he was a buyer, I lied. I made small talk whilst gathering everything up. My laptop, my keys, my phone. Basically, I wanted him to stay with me whilst I left that place for what I knew had to be the last time. And it was. That night, just as I was about to send a text to say I would never be setting foot in the place again, I got a call from the contractor to say that an offer had been accepted from the last investor I'd seen and that I was no longer needed on site. This was all two years ago and I still travel past that church on my way into town. I wonder if the current occupant of the apartment has any encounters today. So, what was it? Well, in my soul, I believe it was the spirit of the priest, seemingly still not at rest or at peace. Perhaps blaming himself for the outcome of the church. I don't know. I do feel there's more to this priest's story, though. And if that's the case... I'll keep both you and the listeners informed. I guess sometimes, some places are best left untouched. Thank you so much, Leah, for sending in your true paranormal experience. And I can let you all know that Leah's been back in touch since she sent that story through. She started to investigate the priest's life and although she says she needs something a bit more tangible before sending another email through, she says the priest apparently had a dark side. I'm sure you, like I, look forward to any follow-ups that Leah may give. Before we sign off this week, I'd like to remind you all of the fantastic app Repod. Repod is a social media platform for podcasters and for podcast listeners where not only can you listen to your favourite podcasts, you can also chat to the hosts. So if standard social media isn't your thing, but you are a podcast fan, I'd suggest checking out the Repod app, which you can download for free from your app store. Okay guys, thank you once more for choosing to spend your time with me, looking at some truly terrifying paranormal experiences. Until next time, remember... When you're discussing the paranormal, always leave your disbelief at the door. And I'll see you next week, here on The Dark Paranormal.